It's an interesting passage. I'm going to use both of them this morning. The second one is from Ecclesiastes, and you've heard it. There have been popular songs written about it. I think it's written by, if I can just guess, someone who's had a lot of life experience. They've been through the good times and they've been through the hard times. And so let's listen to this kind of passage we've heard before. For everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. Time to weep. A time to laugh. Time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. Time to embrace. A time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear. A time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future into their minds. And yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better than for them to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that they should eat and drink and take pleasure in their toil, their work. I know that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it, God has done this so that all should stand in awe before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already is. And God seeks out what has gone by. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A little confusing, isn't it? What has been will be what, you know, kind of keeps you off balance. Um, I titled this sermon today, Yesterday, Tomorrow, and the Moment. This is a casual Sunday, can you tell? I just didn't want to put on a tie and I didn't want to wear a robe. So if you'll excuse me and I don't want to stand up, I just want to sit down and let's talk a little bit. You're not going to get a didactic three-point sermon and a poem. It's an old joke from ministers. We are at the end of 2019, two, three days, and we're in the not yet of 2020. It's like I would like to describe is that we live between the past 
and the future which is not yet in the moment. The in-between. That seems to be where we're called to live. We think we know what might happen, but we're not sure. And sometimes it's most uncertain. This Old Testament text really speaks to me. I, I think it's one of a person who has lived a long time and has developed a sense of confidence about life and about God. Not all the things that this writer writes down were pleasant. Talks about war, peace, hate, joy. But this, I think, writer looks back and says, we take pleasure in the life we live. We take pleasure in the toil of which we're called to do. It's good. It's not something we avoid. And so this writer draws strength from the past. Maybe as you've been around a long time, you begin to say, you know, I can handle this. I've been there or something similar before. And also there's this mystery of God that we live in. Tomorrow is already? What does that mean? I guess it means there's confidence in tomorrow. The New Testament text that... Ed read for you is one that's very interesting. I, you know, how many of you have heard people use this as an excuse not to plan? <laughs> Sorry, I don't think that's what it means. At least coming from a guy who's longtime planner. Um, but it is talking about the anxiety of tomorrow and the worry about tomorrow. Now, just to give you a context of this. There are two stories that go before this one, which I think are really important. One is the fellow that builds all of his barns and has all the food set up, and he's really kind of maybe arrogant about it. I'm okay. Things are good. And what is the message to him? you remember? You're coming to heaven tonight. It's a little like the baseball story. You heard the story about the two guys that uh, love baseball. And one was dying and he said, look, you've got to get back from heaven and tell me if there's baseball in heaven. I've got to know. He said, well, I don't know, I can do that. And he said, well, come to me in a vision. So sure enough, the fellow died the next night. Uh, this other one has a vision. And he said, okay, I have the good news and the bad news. The good news is there is baseball in heaven. Says, Man, that's great. I love good news. Nothing could be bad after that. He said, you're pitching tonight. <laughs> so this fellow that Jesus talks about who kind of thinks he's got it all together, but doesn't. There's a second story that then follows that one. It's about two brothers who have a fight over the inheritance. And they come, one comes to Jesus and says, which was the rabbinic process, settle the argument of my father's inheritance, my brother is cheating me. Any of you been in a family situation over inheritances? Oh yeah. I don't think there's anybody who hasn't been in some kind of a conflict about who got how much. 
or who got left out? Or why did they get more because they had kids and they gave some to the grandkids and we didn't have children, they didn't give my fair third to me or something? I've heard lots of stories and a lots of a lot of anxiety and hurt feelings over inheritances. So in the context of those two pieces, Jesus delivers this piece about don't let that consume your life because it can. I've seen families who have carried on lifetime fights over who got how much or who did what or who behaved improperly. Jesus is saying, don't let that control your life. Don't get caught up in it. There may be a third interpretation of that. The cynics and the Stoics had a belief that life was about philosophy, so get rid of all your worldly goods and just pursue philosophy. Maybe Jesus is saying to them, look, if that's your lifestyle, get rid of the philosophy and let's put it into the kingdom of God. Whatever it is, it's about tomorrow. I think there are two poles of warning for us. One is trying to live in the past. The good old days. It's, you know, the thing that you experience when you go to your high school reunion. I just went to their 60th and we talked about how good things were back then. You know, okay, memories are good. But then you move it into the present. And how do those memories help us to function and to be faithful today? I think they're important. Obviously, the one who wrote Ecclesiastes thought history is important. There is a time, and we learn from that time. The other pole is fear of the future. How much time do you spend worrying about tomorrow? I mean, realistically. Now, somebody better worry about tomorrow, okay? <laughs> or at least be concerned about how tomorrow gets taken care of. We live in the in-between. So I don't think that passage that Ed wrote for us is an excuse for poor planning. I, I have a couple of relatives who think my uncle said, well, the Lord's going to come back before I die, and so I don't need any retirement. He died. And his kids followed the same pattern. They're living with their kids. I'm not so sure that Jesus meant just cast yourself on others to take care of you. But I do think we can over-worry the future. I mean, you get on the computer every day and watch the stock market. You know, if you're every day and watch your retirement program, well, okay. If you're a day trader, that might be appropriate. But there's a sense in which that can tie us up, too. So that's why I say we live in the moment, in the now. Plan for the future. If you need the plan, you engage it. But able to live in the now. I don't know how you've experienced this year, but I just personally, emotionally, I kind of watch how I write things, and it's a reflection of where my head is. I think things have been a little unsettled this year, at least for me. Uh, it has not been the normal year. Uh, we have lost in this church 
friends and relatives of the church, 22 this year. That's about double normal. And out of those, we've had 19 services. I've done 15 of them. Some of these people I have known really well. It's a little unsettling. We have had friends move out of the community to go be near their kids. Okay, I get that. Someday we'll probably move to Santa Barbara to be close to our kids. When will that happen? Well, I don't know. I guess it will happen when it happens. Events can kind of trigger that, you know. So we've had some of that this year. Um, We've had nationally and internationally, politically, some turmoil. It's unsettling. Where's the future going? It's not as visible as it used to be, perhaps. And even in our church, we're a little smaller. We're facing some financial challenges, you know. That's why I say, we take the offering, I'll say it again, everybody can do something. There's a lot of people doing a lot, but everybody can do something. But we can worry, as perhaps we should sometimes, maybe be concerned. And as a pastor, I've been pastor for a number of years, more than I want to count. And I know some millennials don't seem to have an appreciation of church. I don't know why, but there just seems to be not a valuing of church in, in our country. And I think about what all that means. Well, that New Testament scripture is a good one. But we do plan, don't we? We plan for our retirement. Give you a little insight into my head. So now I started a retirement plan when I was in college. <laughs> Have you ever do that? Oh, we still use a little of it. I mean, it kind of snowballed. It, it was a good strategy, I have to admit. Don't want to live on our life off of that, but... Uh, we do that. And we did get our kids educated, and you need to be conscious of that. And we're still paying for it. They don't quite get that, but they will. They have kids. Um, so here we are to be more than the past and not be obsessed with the fearful. It's the moment. Story. I, Pat and I have a friend, and uh, he went in to the doctor with some difficulties and discovered he had prostate cancer and had metastasized. And that was a uh, tragic news for us. I mean, you know, you don't expect that, especially at his age. And so he went into a clinical trial. There were five in the trial. Four died within three years. Um, he would go in for quarterly blood draws and he lived from quarter to quarter to quarter to quarter, four times a year, wondering when the shoe would fall. Now, I will tell you that um, the first thing they did when they got the news was they liked to go to movies. So they went up to the theater and they were late. They said, well, let's wait until the next showing and there's an RV park across the street well, let's go look at, just see what's over there. They never made it to the movie. They bought an RV. They loved to camp. This was not a new experience for them. 
and decided, well, we will, uh, we've waited long enough to do this. And so uh, we're going to uh, camp more. Good decision. They didn't want to postpone what was important to them. Sometimes we do. Well, the reality was that he lived 17 years. Outlived all the others on the clinical trial. Every quarter to quarter for 17 years, our friend lived. We all knew that someday the shoe was going to drop and those tests were going to come back that this thing was active again. You could count on that. Doctors kept telling him. They didn't understand how he went 17 years, but they kept looking after five years. They said, well, protocols are gone. We don't know what to do. And he would just smile. He said, I keep praying. We traveled all over the West Coast. We engaged in church work together. Oh, the threat every quarter was there, but we learned to live with it. We had a choice. We knew that the time would be shortened, but we didn't know how long. So we created the moments. And we took pictures of the moments. Because we knew someday we'd want to go back and just kind of relive some of those moments, which is okay. So we still look at those pictures. Indeed, the shoe did drop 17 years of moments. We could have chosen to say, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? That's the tendency. When's it going to happen? Let go of it. Just let go of it and take the moment. Because our anxiety can get so high that we miss life. We miss the time and the moments that we have. We lose perspective if we try to live yesterday and sit stuck there. But yesterday helps us live today. I think the Ecclesiastes writer kind of grabbed it and he said, I can handle this. It informs the present. And so we can say, whatever we're going to face, we can handle this. We can. And likewise, we can miss the moments if we let fear and worry dominate us. Ed, there's a phrase that in one of your songs in the praise band, I think I have it right, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Am I right? Someday we're going to do that in the traditional service. I love it. How do we not become a slave to our fears? Well, we live in the moment. We trust God in the moment. For those of you who may be raising kids, uh, I had a plan. Which once, once in a while, a parent has a good idea. We had three boys, and I would take them out to breakfast on Saturday mornings. That's when I was working in aerospace, and I was traveling, and I was gone a lot. So I had to figure out how to create some worthwhile moments. So I had a plan. I would take one of them each Saturday to breakfast, usually at McDonald's or Denny's. And sometimes we sit at the counter if that's where they wanted to sit. Had a couple of rules. No lectures. Don't ask about school. 
stay off the parent hot topics. How's it going? Enjoying baseball, soccer, whatever they're doing. To just be there and have some moments. Our kids are all home on the holidays. Sometimes the moments are hard. We had four dogs in the house the other day. Uh, we had our tensions, but to create the moments. Well, we wrap up this year. It's almost history. A new year to come. So my encouragement to us all is to take time for the moments. Worship this year. Take moments with our God. This year, may we live in the in-between. We may find wholeness in God's moments through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.